When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show here on the internet. This is your host, as always, for Movie Lovers Unite, John DeGorio. For today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about 1408. This is actually going to be part of my 31 Days of Horror. Hope you guys sit back and relax and enjoy this part. And then I'm jumping into a little bit of Joker stuff. I know I've been talking about Joker a lot and stuff like that, but it's just me being me doing a little bit of speculating on if. Walking Phoenix is actually going to be able to win an Academy Award performance based on the fact that there's a lot of controversial stuff revolving around Joker. I'm going to get to that. And I'm also going to get to the possibility of maybe us having two Jokers instead of just having the one cinematic Joker for the DCEU. Maybe we can actually have Walking Phoenix in his own Elseworld movie. So I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk a little bit of the controversial stuff revolving around Joker. And that's pretty much going to be the end of this whole entire segment for this episode. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this thing. So, first off, I'm a huge Stephen King fan and everything. And this is actually based off of one of his short stories. And it's actually called 1408. Now, I haven't read this short story at all or anything like that. So, basically, all I can go after is what I saw in the movie and how I enjoyed it. I can't go into detail on from book to movie adaptions or anything like that, adaptations. But I can actually tell you this. The movie is about a guy named Mike Enslin. He is a successful author who enjoys worldwide acclaim debunking supernatural phenomena. Before checking into the Dolphin Hotel, that is, ignoring the warnings of the hotel manager played by Samuel L. Jackson, he learns the meaning of terror when he spends the night in 1408. And, you know, the one thing that sold me on this is the fact you have John Cusack, and you also have Samuel L. Jackson in the, in the same movie. And the one thing that I always pay attention to when you have big-name stars like this with John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson is the chemistry, and if the chemistry actually matches to what they're actually trying to do with a certain movie. And I'm going to be completely honest. The chemistry between John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson is just fantastic. And I love some of the lines that they actually throw back and forth to each other. I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. But another thing I want to talk about is if anybody was able to play these characters and everything, I couldn't picture anyone else besides John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson playing these characters because of the chemistry that they were able to do with this movie. When we first meet John Cusack's character, he's actually signing books that are based off of his own paranormal investigations. Now, I like that aspect, and and here's why. I can imagine Stephen King signing books and stuff like that and he's has a bunch of people crowded around him and everything else wanting to talk to him wanting autographs and stuff like that so I love that aspect because you can actually get a little bit of a feel of Stephen King of meeting and greeting his fans and stuff like that so I like that aspect I love when one of his fans comes up to him that uh that he needs to make more books like his earlier work. Now, I can picture myself probably saying that because in a certain sense, ever since he got ran over, I felt like before 
that his work hasn't been the same since he got ran over. And I wish that he would write more books like his earlier days. But I'm going to say this. Some of his newer books now, past Dreamcatcher and stuff like that, is like hit and miss in some areas. But in other areas too, like some books that I'm reading now, like Dr. Sleep, The Institute, which I haven't read yet. But I also have the book. But here's the thing. I love the Mr. Mercedes series. I love that those book series. And I didn't like Elevation, but I loved aspects of Revival, but I didn't like Revival as a whole. I didn't like the ending, and yes, that's probably a little bit of a pun that I'm throwing out there, too, because of the fact that in Stephen King's It Chapter 2, they also mentioned the fact that they didn't, that one of the characters didn't like the ending to the other character's book, and that's actually pretty cool. And then also Stephen King himself also does the same thing. When he's doing a little bit of a cameo role where he says, eh, nobody really likes the ending. Or the ending sucks. So I love that aspect. So, but let me just tell you this. Um, I, like I said, I love when he, when one of his fans comes up to him that he needs to make more books like his earlier work. But winds up telling them it's bullshit. <laughs> I love that. It, it makes me think that he's really cranky. He really doesn't want to be there signing autographs or anything like that. Because of the fact that he could be doing other things besides that. He'd rather go in and get a tooth pulled as well. Because here's the thing. Yeah, we're fans of certain people. We're fans of books. Comic books. Movies. And stuff like that. And our expectations of meeting somebody are set really high. And then when we actually meet them, they can be kind of a douchebag kind of person. But we also have to realize, too, that they're normal people just like we are. And sometimes they, and this, don't forget, this is also work for them. So therefore, they may not feel like being there or anything like that. And just like how we don't like being at work sometimes. So that's also another thing, too. I always try to put my, my shoes, put my feet in somebody else's shoes and think like they do. Because that's the way I've been raised is putting your, putting, um other people's feet in your sh- thinking of somebody else rather than yourself but anyways i also love how funny uh he is in the movie as well where john cusack because there's actually another john cusack quote that i actually like because here's the thing i like him as an actor and stuff like that and when he gets really snarky and everything that's when i that's when i really like him for instance um He, I also love how funny he is in the movie as well, where one of his other fans walk up, walk to him and ask him, where can I see a guaranteed ghost? He replies back with Orlando, the Haunted Mansion. And that to me was the most funniest uh, punchline that I've seen in a horror movie and everything, especially when you're dealing with a snarky person like John Cusack himself. And I love that aspect. It brings out a little bit of comedy into it before we actually get him to get the scene in 1408 we don't know anything about his past or anything like that during that time and that's also something too that I really enjoyed was there's a little bit of mystery to him as to why he's being the way he is and you know like I said this is actually one of those movies that I can actually recommend for 31 days of horror because of what I'm mentioning and then Another thing too, like I like I mentioned before, whenever I mentioned Samuel Jackson and the chemistry between John Cusack and him, this is another good line. Mr. Olin, this is Samuel Jackson's line. A few years ago, a young maid from El Salvador found herself locked in the bathroom. She was only there for a few moments, but when we pulled her out, she was 
And then Mike replies back, she was dead? Mr. Olin, no, blind. She had taken a pair of scissors and gauged her eyes out. She was laughing hysterically. And, you know, that's something that is totally mental and also horrifying, too, that you actually get to, that this actually happened in the elevator and stuff like that, where you can, where it's kind of like the shining kind of vibe to it, where something horrific happened in this hotel, especially in 1408, and just gut-riching horrifying. And God knows what that that other person was going through when she was actually gauging her eyes out and everything. But that was just something that I thought that was pretty creepy. Also made my hair stand on on my arm. Gave me some goosebumps for a little bit because there's just something horrifying about that. And of course, seeing the re, uh, the look that John Cusack gives Samuel Jackson is just a classic look of, horrif- of being horrified. And another thing too I want to mention is this too. That in the story too... John Cusack pretty much doesn't believe in ghosts or anything like that. He's just writing books just to be writing books. There's really nothing to him anymore. And I'm going to get into his past and right now because here's the thing. If you're looking into for like a conjuring kind of feel to it, if you're looking for ghosts popping up everywhere and stuff like that, you're going to be disappointed in this movie because it doesn't revolve around those things. Yeah, there are aspects to that in the movie. But it's not specifically just about that. It's about Mike. He's also he's dealing with his with the loss of his daughter, and that's just something dramatic and haunting about it. We're dealing with a broken man that's dealing with death. He's dealing with um. He's also dealing with the fact that his wife fights between him and his wife. He's also going through stuff with his father where his father doesn't think that he's a good writer or anything like that dealing with self-doubt and you know that is just something that messes with your anxiety it messes you up inside and out you become broken you become haunted by your past and that's exactly what this room does it winds up becoming something that's so horrific that it's actually eating you alive in your own thoughts and your own actions and stuff like that and you know with another thing too John Cusack's character actually, John Cusack actually had to sell us with the fact that he's locked in this one room and this whole entire movie takes place in only one room. And if it wasn't for his performance in this one room, I don't think that this movie would have worked because of the stuff that happens. You have everything between the room getting really cold to Samuel Jackson just popping up out of nowhere on his computer. You have a bunch of other stuff going on in this thing, but... Because he's in this room throughout the whole movie, I I watched the director's cut and the false ending and the way it wraps up is perfect. But when the stuff goes down in the room, that's when you're really down, um, drawn into this movie. He also doesn't, like I said before, he doesn't believe in ghosts, but he starts to, as the room starts to turn cold and Samuel L. Jackson's being on his laptop, it is also haunting him. And... Like I said, when uh, another thing too, he's dealing with the loss of his daughter. He's dealing with all of his past and this room is packing it all in. And he's trying to actually conquer his past rather than letting the room be haunted by his past. And that is just something that I really like because of the fact that you can actually add a little bit of layers to where, you know, you started off with this broken man who's being haunted by this room. 
to where he actually is fighting for survival to where he wants to actually go on ahead and fight against his past. But then, also too, he goes out on a ledge and this is kind of like a tip of the hat to the 1980s anthology movie Cat's Eye. And he's on this ledge to go to the next room because he thinks, okay, I'm going to go ahead and escape from room 1408 and go into this next room. Maybe somebody will let me in. And there's no other room there. No other room besides 1408. So he has to go back and climb into this cold room and try and figure out a way to actually conquer his fears and figure out what he's going to have to do. And like I said, this is just one of those movies that I really liked and I liked what they were, what they're doing with it. And this movie is so much more than a haunted hotel room. And like I mentioned, it's about a man that's broken and being haunted by the things of his past. His daughter dying at any, at a young age, him and his wife going through problems and his dad and dad doesn't think he's a good writer and he's in a nursing home. The room takes all of your haunted things of your past and makes you try to relive relive it. There's a few ghosts that does pop up in this now and every now and then, but it's not it's not one of those things where the ghost pops up every single time you turn around or anything like that. It's just in a couple of scenes and that's it. It's just things of his past that are built into this room and that's basically what this movie's about is a man trying to conquering his fears and everything and that is something that is just fantastic because you want you're being having your own demons being haunted by your past and here you are trying to actually conquer something that you probably don't think yourself can actually conquer and in a sense this room could actually either break you or help you depending on how you want to actually look at your demons and depending on how you actually want to go through this um through that room but 1408 is probably one of my best Stephen King ad, uh, King movies. I can't say adaptions because, I, like I said, I haven't seen the movie and it's, uh, I haven't seen the, well, read the book or anything like that to actually get a better understanding of where this thing comes from or anything like that. But I do know that in the book, he doesn't lose his daughter or anything like that. I did look up on some information on that. But as far as everything else goes, I'm not 100% sure on. But I can actually recommend this movie. This movie is perfectly well done. The chemistry between Samuel L. Jackson and John Cusack is good. The lines that John Cusack uses is really good. Then also, too, the lines that Samuel L. Jackson uses as well. And him even trying to talk him out of staying in 1408 in that hotel is just fantastic. It reminds me of The Shining. There's a lot of tips of the hat to Stephen King in this movie. I strongly recommend you guys checking this out. If if you don't know where to look for it all for it at I recommend probably look on Amazon or somewhere along those lines I know they don't have it on Hulu I know they don't have it on Netflix but if it ever comes on DirecTV record that thing and check it out because I guarantee you that you guys are gonna like it so let's go into a little bit of Joker stuff here now I know that I've been talking about Joker since it actually came out it was one of my top anticipated movies of this year and I'm gonna be honest with you this is coming from a person that didn't like the makeup, but was actually sold on the premise of the fact that, you know, as an Elseworld, Elseworld Joker told into re, uh, getting into some realism, just like a Christopher Nolan movie. But this goes beyond just realism. It goes into health issues and stuff like that as well. And that's what I loved about it was that aspect to mental health. And that's what I was sold on. And not only that, 
But I had to let things marinate just a little bit for the look of the Joker. Because at first, I'm like, I'm not sold on the makeup. I'm not really sold on it. But the more I was like, okay, this is what they're giving us. I'm going to go with in with this thing. And I'm going to probably wind up liking it. And then the more trailers that came out, the more that I winded up being excited for it, the more that I was actually sold on it. So now, I love the movie. It's a fantastic movie. If you haven't checked out the review that Rick and I did, Rick is actually from Joker's, Joker Unleashed. Check out his little Facebook page. And I'm actually on that Facebook page known as Johnny Frost. But I'm going to tell you this. Joker is just a fantastic movie. I cannot stop raving about it. I think that it's going to win all kinds of Academy Awards. But speaking of Academy Awards, I'm going to get to that in a minute. But I just want to focus on something else. I believe that we can actually be in a time and place to where we can actually have two different Jokers. Especially about how they introduced um, Bruce Wayne and his father, uh, Thomas Wayne, into the movie as well. Because at first I wasn't sure if they were going to actually do that or not. But they actually did put them two in it. And with that being said, I think that we can actually get a Walking Phoenix rated R Joker that's with the mental health issues and actually have maybe a little bit of a time jump into maybe the 90s instead of the 80s. And we can actually have a Batman and Joker movie. And we can also have other characters that's based into the realism rather than focusing on aliens and all that other stuff. But I also think, too, that we can also have a Joker for the DCEU, regardless of if it's Jared Leto's Joker or not or anything like that. That's to be seen up until we see Suicide Squad, Birds of Pre- not Suicide Squad, but Birds of Prey. But I'm all for James Gunn doing a soft reboot for Suicide Squad, so it's going to be interesting to see if they're actually going to keep Jared Leto's Joker or not. But I think that we can actually, this could actually be perfectly well written if it's done right where we can have a timeline jump and Joaquin Phoenix comes back now I know for a fact that the Martin Scorsese's uh production company has no interest in even making another Joker movie or anything like that but uh Todd Phillips the guy who made the Joker movie is all for trying to make another one if it's possible and Joaquin Phoenix also said that he would come back now there's also another thing yes I'm excited if they actually announce it because I'll go out and buy a ticket right now to go see it. But it also makes me question this too. Is the mental health healthness of Joaquin Phoenix. Because don't forget. Heath Ledger also lost his life due to this character. And I'm afraid with it getting into his head. And it's actually going to cause him to lose his mind a little bit. Just like Heath Ledger did. And cause him to do, go into a drug overdose. And everything, which I'm not saying Walking Phoenix is going to do that, but it makes me a little bit fearful because he can actually get down into the character the way it needs to be drawn into. And then, too, another thing that we have to look at is the weight loss that he actually had to go through to do all the stuff that the Joker did in that movie. And that's a tall, lanky character. And I'm whenever when you're dealing with picking out weight, losing weight for certain roles, it's not healthy, but you know, it's got to be done one way or the other because you're an actor and you have to pursue this character the way it's supposed to be written. But it makes me wonder, and everything too, is if his mental health is going to be okay if he decides to do another Joker movie. Now, I think his mental health, this is me speculating, 
But I think his mental health will be alright if we wait maybe a year or two and everything. That way he's not still glued into this character and stuff like that. To where he actually automatically snapped back into being the Joker. I think if we wait maybe a year or two, we can actually get him back again as a, a Joker. And it won't be as bad as doing something back to back. Which is what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that they don't try and pull something off where it's back to back. Especially when you look at the global box office openings. And also too on how well and successful this movie actually is. But that's just my view. That's just how I'm looking at it from another perspective. But if you guys have your own opinions and your own agendas, I'd like to actually know what you guys think. Leave me a voicemail inside the thing. I'm actually going to have a description like I always do. I'm always interested in hearing what you guys have to say. And now I'm going to talk about, is the Joker way too controversial for him to actually win an Academy Award? Or Joaquin Phoenix to win an Academy Award? Or for the Joker movie itself to win Best Picture? Now, when you look at the controversial stuff, and I know I've been getting a lot of hate mail and stuff like that when it's regarding this, and here's the thing. I understand that, you know, media, news media and stuff like that always like to amp up the volume when it comes down to doing, uh, doing stuff that's controversial. Now, here's the thing. I respect the people of Denver not wanting this movie to be shown, like I mentioned before. I can understand their reasoning behind that. I really do. I do, like I said, I donated $5 towards the cause to help them throughout their whole entire process of healing and stuff like that. But and then um another thing too is just recently when that rock and roll 2 anthem that was played in the Joker movie, the, the I forgot the band member's name and stuff like that, but he's actually a convicted um pedophile. And here's the thing. I didn't know that he was a convicted pedophile until recently when I did some research on the song and stuff like that. But it doesn't change my view on how it was actually in the movie, on how well it translated over and stuff like that. Because it was only in there briefly. Not only that, but I also like that song anyways. But the whole fact that it's done by a pedophile and stuff like that don't doesn't really bother me in a sense because of the fact, I guess, because I didn't know that at that time frame or anything like that. Now... Here's the thing. I don't like the director from Jeepers Creepers because he is a pedophile and everything else, but he's a director who was attached to all three Jeepers Creepers movies, and I've been knowing that since the third Jeepers Creepers movie. And I do not, even to this day, I will not watch any of the three Jeepers Creepers movies because I don't want to go and celebrate a guy that actually that's a pedophile. That's just me. That's how I view things. I don't want to even touch a Jeepers Creepers movie now because of that. But with this, it's just something brief. It's something small that actually fits in well with what the Joker is doing, and I like it. Now, listen to what I have to say because I've been getting a lot of hate mail over this. I'm just going based off of how the Academy judges certain movies. Here's the thing. Let's look at this for example. When you look at Marcel Scorsese's Wolf of Wall Street movie. I love that movie. I think that Leonardo DiCaprio should have won an Academy Award for that. But no one was nominated for that movie at all. Matter of fact, it got cut out. It won a couple of Golden Globes and stuff like that. But that movie uh, wasn't even... Didn't even... Nobody even thought about even nominating Leonardo... Well, 
didn't even think about doing anything with Wolf of Wall Street or anything like that because of how controversial it was. Because when you have Leonardo DiCaprio sniffing cocaine off someone's butt, you also have nudity, of X amount of, lo- amount of F-words, and you also have, also too, you also have the X amount of cuss words, like I said before, but you also have the nudity. Then you also have a couple of other things that happened in that movie too, where it's kind of like a dark comedy rather than something serious. Even though I love that movie with a passion and stuff like that, I can actually see why you would go on ahead and not nominate this movie or put or make let this movie win. It's because of those things. Now, the Joker's a whole total different animal though. But I think with the controversial stuff, I'm not sure if the Academy is actually going to say, I don't know if we should go on ahead and nominate, get this movie into a nomination nomination, and get Joaquin Phoenix as a best actor in this movie because of the controversial stuff that's been happening and stuff like that. But we can't ignore the fact that this is not controversial or anything like that. And I get the fact, too, that there is a graphic scene in the movie. And to me, it wasn't even all that graphic at all. But to certain people, all of them are subjective that it is, in fact, to some people, that it is graphic. For me, it wasn't that graphic. To me, I think they could have gone a little bit more with some graphic violence, but that's just the way I'm I'm looking at it. But I still feel like, you know, I'm just looking at it through the Academy's eyes. But in my eyes, though, I want him to win. I want to see him succeed. I want to see him with an Oscar on his mantle. To, for this movie, for his performance in this movie. I'd want to see Joker at least get nominated for Best Picture. There are going to be other people, other uh, movies out there that's going to probably top the Joker. But for right now, this movie actually is the standout for me as my favorite movie of the whole entire year because of it being the ante- most anticipated movie uh, for me to go and see. And I loved everything about this movie. There's nothing really that I don't like about this movie at all. Joker's one of my favorite villains of all time. When it comes down to Batman um, Batman villains. And you know. I'm excited to, to see if they're actually going to do anything else with this. But when you look at mental health. When you look at this character. When you look at everything. It's kind of like a fallen down situation. Where it happens in a course of maybe three or four days. And all of a sudden this guy just snaps and when he snaps that's it and he goes off the rails and that is something that I really loved from this movie itself when society decided to give up on him and stuff like that and the world is just swallowing him whole he just snapped and that's whenever he becomes the Joker and I'm not going to go back and do another review for the Joker but I'm just trying to explain this I'm not hating on the movie at all I'm not hating on the fact that it's controversial, which I feel like, too, let me get this out there, too. I mentioned this before, but I'm going to get this out here again. Where was everybody during John Wick Chapter Chapter 3 or any of the John Wick movies? Those movies were violent, but no one protested against it. But because it's a comic book-based movie, you're going to go on ahead and protest against this thing because of the stuff that happened in Colorado. And... Just because one event happened in Colorado that happened to be a comic book based movie doesn't mean it's going to happen again. And a matter of fact, I love the fact that, you know, movie theaters were able to put in the security officers and they were able to actually put, uh, put 
make the people feel safe in the theater for a change rather than ignoring the problem. And not only that, but they also excluded the fact that there's, there's not going to be any makeup, any dress up or anything like that. You can't cosplay as the Joker. And I feel like that's fair because of the fact that you don't want to have at least 30 or 100 and something people walking around with Joker makeup on and something happening and then he can blend into the crowd and then leave. I feel like this is a better way, better way to secure everything. And I think that they actually did a good, a great job at actually trying to protect the people rather than to ignore the problem. And I get the fact that news media too is amping this up a lot more and stuff like that. But my, the reason behind my blog wasn't, here's the thing. I'm not even going to put my blog on, on the description as well, because here's the thing. I want you guys to get a clearer understanding of what I'm trying to get at. I'm on the side of the Oscars of them doing it, but I'm trying to look at it through the way the Oscars actually judge certain types of movies. And I'm not looking at it as a fanboy type of thing. I'm looking at it through the lenses of the Academy on the way they do things. And that's how I'm judging it. I'm not judging it based off of a review I've done. Because I know I love the movie, but I'm doing it through the lenses of somebody else that's judging it and wondering if we even want to take the heat for the even more controversy that we already have. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to put this movie down when I'm not. Um, because like I said, I love this movie. If I didn't, I wouldn't have done the review. I wouldn't have gone out to see Joker because I'm a strong believer in this. Just because I don't want to go out and see a certain movie because it's not for me, I'm not going to protest against it. Go out and see it, enjoy it, and stuff like that, and I'll just stay behind. And that's it. But I went out and saw this movie, and I loved it. So if anybody has a problem with the fact that I'm looking at it through an, through other lenses besides the fact that uh, besides not being a fan being a being a fanboy then so be it but i'm just gonna be honest like i've always been honest and you can take it or leave it or you know you can just unsubscribe to my channel but that's how i feel that's how it's gonna be and i feel like that i jabbered enough about this whole entire thing so this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna end the show right now but if there's anything that you would love to to talk about anything from any topics that you would like to actually send in leave me a voicemail like i said i'm gonna have that in the descriptions if you feel like that you want to donate towards the show you can go on ahead and do that it's to actually help me to get better mic microphones better software better stuff so i can actually make a better quality show for you but that's only if you want to the show will always be free for you guys to actually listen to I love what I'm doing. I love interacting with everybody on the Facebook pages of Movie Lovers Unite and also the Joker's Unleashed page. I love uh, what Rick has done with the page, made it a good fan base for people that love the Joker. And, you know, there are a couple of uh, fans out there that are kind of, you know, on trolling levels and stuff like that. But you're going to find that with every page and every group. But... Rick's page is just fantastic. I love how everybody's just a fan and they actually gravitate towards towards us and stuff like that. And now I'm actually going to talk about... Um, now I'm going to go on ahead and tell you this. If you like what you see... Well, not what you see, but if you love what you hear, share this podcast with other people and stuff like that so I can get more... So that way 
it can reach out to more people and then you guys can actually have a conversation about what I'm talking about rather than just saying, hey, you know what I heard? Da, 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 da. At least then you can actually have an interaction between you and your friends. Because that's what I like. I like hearing people debate certain issues and stuff like that that they hear about what I'm talking about. So anyways, if you guys love what I have to say or whatever, share this episode. And also too, leave me a voicemail and uh, like I said, I'm going to have that in the comments. I'm going to have the link to my blog that I've done with the Joker. I'm also going to have a couple of other stuff in the descriptions. So until next time.